Welcome to the De-Stress Podcast with me, Dr. Amanda. On this podcast, I highlight the often underestimated effects that stress can have on our lives and our health by sitting down and having some incredible, fascinating conversations with experts and everyday people. So guys, in today's episode, I'm talking about something that has been causing me active stress. (laughs) And it's something that if you have children, you will be going through right now, you would have gone through, um, or it's about to come and hit you. And that is deciding how to educate your children. From the time they come out of the womb, you're educating them, whether it's teaching them how to sleep or eat or teach them how to communicate, manage their emotions. But there does come an age when you need to start teaching them a bit more practical or um, a bit more I don't know, you have to teach them more substantial things. I'm talking about how to read, how to write, how to do maths, science, etc, etc, etc. And in the UK, at the age of four, you have the choice of sending your child to school. There are some people that choose to do some homeschooling and that is another conversation that I'd love to have in the future about the choice between homeschooling and going into um, a school setting. But... If you choose a school setting, it's not just that choice that you have to make. You then have to pick which school to send them to. And my daughter is turning four in December. And well, it's time for me to select the schools. And I can tell you that I found this process quite stressful. Deciding between private school and mainstream school, Christian school, and then actually picking the right school itself and having so many different factors to that comes into the decision. And I was actually sat down at a family friend's house um, when I spoke with another family friend who's on this podcast today and she gave me such good advice just in the space of, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, maybe it was half an hour, but I had to get her on the podcast because I know that there's so many of you that are going through the same thing or will do in the future. And so this video is one where you need to sit down, get your notebook out, take the notes and get ready to make the right decision for your child. Um, I sit down today with two incredible women who are both in the primary school education field. The first is Debonair Brown. She has been in the field of education for the last 30 years and has been working as a head teacher in primary school since 2008. Now, Debonair, she has worked in a variety of different schools, including in inner city London, where there are multicultural and multilingual schools, um, dealt with private school and mainstream education. And now she finds herself head teaching in Bedfordshire. The second person that I speak to is Suzanne Worrell, who is a mother of three and a grandmother to one and started her journey in education, early years education, when she started her journey in motherhood. Um, I think when you become a mom, a lot of the time, new things are opened up to you that you didn't consider before. And so when her eldest child was going into a preschool setting, um, for her to return to work after maternity leave, she found herself really interested in the early years education. She has just completed a master a master's of art in early years education, and she started her journey initially in um, preschool and now works in year year one and reception. She has a passion for um, making the outdoors accessible to children working in forest schools and she also really enjoys partnering with parents because parents are the first educators. This conversation was so, so useful and practical for me right now and so I really hope that you enjoy it. 
So hello, Debonair and Suzanne. Thank you so much for joining me on this um, podcast episode. Um, Today's episode is a bit different to usual. As you know, on here, we discuss about stress and the ways to navigate it. But a lot of the time it has a focus on health. But today is a bit of a self-serving episode because it's about an area that I found quite stressful. And it's actually trying to navigate this transition of putting your children into school and understanding that and so usually there's a lot of talking that comes from me but um today I've got two wonderful experts here and um, to talk with us about the you know that first transition of putting your child into school and how to navigate through all of that so welcome both of you um please before we get into all the nitty-gritty stuff can you tell me a bit about yourselves Oh, well, my name's Suzanne, and um, I've been working in early years education since my own, my youngest daughter um, started nursery school. Um, I was really interested in the learning and the development um, that I was seeing um, within her early years education. And um, I started my journey of learning with early years. Um, I've just finished my master's degree in early years education, uh, integrated working with families. Um, but I started my um, teaching career um, as a volunteer in a preschool. Um, I then became a key worker within a preschool, working with a small group of children. I then took on the role of um, a leader of a nursery class in a church school and then a manager of a preschool and working very closely um, with the improvement officers to move it from um, the Ofsted rating it had been given to their good um, rating. Um, I then came into a school um, to carry out forest school activities and was invited into the reception class, um, which I'm now teaching along with um, some year two, uh, one children. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Right. So I'm Debonair. Um, I've been in education for, for all over, over 30 years now. And um, I was trained as a primary school teacher, uh, seven to 11. Um, but my first teaching role was a maths lecturer back at the college where I was a student. So that was a really lovely experience. Um, I then, after a year, went back into uh, primary education. Uh, where I worked with some fantastic individuals, honed my skills, um, and within five or six years, I moved on to become a deputy head. So as a deputy head, I worked in um, an inner city school in London um, with some wonderful, wonderful individuals. Mm -hmm. And from there, I think it was 2008, I uh, took on my first headship, and um, I was there for a substantial amount of time, and then 2018, I, I came here for um, for my next headship. So um, I've had the privilege of working with some very fantastic people who are committed to to bring out the very best in children and wanting to improve themselves. So um, that that's where I am. I have two children, one who's 13 and one who is nine. And um, does it get easier? Well, <laughs> there are other avenues to navigate. Yes, I'd say. But yes, so so that's me. Okay, brilliant. And I always like to share as well um, how I came to, you know, know you both and bring you onto the podcast because everyone's always interested, like, where did I find such, you know, people with su such knowledge of, of the subject that we're going to discuss? And well, um, Debra, now I've known you my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um 
actually um we are family friends from um you know met each other through church I guess and um your parents actually your dad blessed me as a baby um and so literally entire life and um where this kind of conversation came from and Suzanne you are you work with Debonair and you've introduced us both that's how we've come here today but um it was a few months ago I think it was still this year so a few months ago um we were at a mutual family friends for a for a, for a dinner, and you st- you asked me, oh, what am I doing in terms of school for for um, my el- eldest Isabella? And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and because right now I have there's a lot of um information coming at me from different people. I've got people in my like church community that are doing homeschooling. I have people, a lot of people like in my work who are doing private education and. I just knowing where to go, what to do next has been um, definitely a point of stress and consideration. I really thought that my husband, who's a teacher, would be able to just navigate us through this. But he does secondary school and quite frankly, isn't involved in admissions or anything. And so we're both novices at this. And I know so many people are because until you mm-hmm. until you have a child going to school, most people just it's just not something that you ever think about and so I do have some questions um that I'd love to be addressed in this but also because of your expertise and your years of experience whatever information you think would be helpful to parents listening about you know navigating this transition into like full-time school education would be really helpful um but I guess my first question is um in terms of picking a school my my big question has been the difference between private education and mainstream schooling. Um, is there is there really a right choice to make? Um, is there a big difference between it? If you have the means to do private school and you choose not to, are you doing your child a disservice? Kind of how how do you navigate that decision? And then once you've made the decision, what what do you need to take into account when actually picking the school? That's the that's the first big question. I think when when we're talking about private education, Amanda, I think at the end of the day, it really is your preference, Mm -hmm. totally your preference. And your preference will be based on your own child. Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked in private schools. I've worked in mainstream. I've gone to a private school and I've gone to mainstream school. Mm -hmm. So all I can say, the decision is left to the parent. Some parents love it. Some parents choose to go to mainstream. Some in mainstream choose to go to private. So that in itself is a parental choice, totally parental choice. So no matter um, which you choose, the the key thing that you're looking for when selecting this school, and I know that many parents will say, well, I've looked at the officer report and the officer tells me this school is good, this school is outstanding or this school is inadequate. That's where parents will go first. And that's not a problem because you want to have a feel for the school. And remember, your offset is um, one or two days uh, insight into your school. So it's much wider than just an Ofsted report. It is much wider, but it's a good starting point. You want to consider that when you're uh, going to place your child in a school, you want to look at the data and the data in terms of your GLD. And your GLD stands for a greater level, sorry, a good level of development. That's what you want to look for. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about GLD, it's, it, it's a form of a summative assessment and it's a judgment which is, which is made 
for each EYFS, so early years foundation stage child at the end of reception. And it's a measure of attainment and you are achieving a good level of development, which will help to make, or it will help to allow your child to make a good start in mm -hmm. reception and then on to key stage, key stage two, year one. Sorry, not key stage two, I beg your pardon, key stage one, year one. And when we're talking about GLD, it's about reaching an expected level of development at the okay. end of reception. And it's based on learning outcomes in terms of the seven prime um, learning areas. And when we talk about those seven areas, we're talking about communication and language. We're talking about physical development. We're talking about the physical, social and emotional development literacy, the maths, understanding the world and expressive arts and designs. So all of these are taken together holistically and they're all interconnected and they form a complete picture of the child. So you want to have a look at the GLD. That's okay. important to look at when you are making a judgment on, the, on, on which school you want to send your child to mm -hmm. because you want to know that there's a attainment there is progress yeah. you will want to also look at the the phonics outcomes so your phonics okay. is the reading or rather the decoding of reading um you want to see whether or not that's a at expected or whether that's working below or significantly above mm -hmm. reading is a very important tool because if our children are unable to decode and comprehend then they're going to struggle because reading isn't everything, our maths, our history, yeah. our English, everything. So you want to be looking at the phonics outcome. And the phonics is a screening that's taken at the um, end of year one as well. Yeah. Okay. What you'd also like to do, I would argue, is have a look at the phonics scheme that's being taught. So you have a range of them, a range. Okay. And it, looking at the phonics, you yourself as a parent, you can just dip in to see, oh, actually, you know, this is a useful tool to use. Um, you know, be it Little Wondle, be it Read Write Ink, be it Sounds Right, be it Jolly Phonics. There's a range of them. Okay. And some parents like to, to know that actually does this phonics program link with what my child was learning in nursery? Oh, that's a good so point. there's that, that transition and that support. So that's important as well, as well as your key stage one data. Now, key stage one, uh, this year was the last year, actually, they were doing it. They're, they're not... Uh, it's not compulsory it's not a statutory test anymore going forward for next year mm -hmm. however some schools can still opt to do it and your key stage one measure um, outcomes are an indication of where well, not necessarily an indication but they provide the progression that's needed progression progressive measure at the end of key stage two okay. so so your key stage one you'll usually have a score your child will have a score and from there, a measure is taken at the end of Key Stage 2, and that provides a good indication of the progress that a child has covered from Key Stage 1, so uh, 7, right through to 11. So that used to be, a, that's a really good indication. So mm -hmm. though a school may have low attainment, your progress could be extremely good. And the progress measure is as important as the attainment because your progress is an indication that actually the quality of teaching and learning has been sound and it has been driving improvements for my child. There may be other factors depending on where your school is or what other barriers to learning they may be. But as long as there is a progress, progression, then that's a good indication as well. So it's not just about attainment being super, super. 
It's also yeah. about what's the, the progress. progress because you could be in a really great school mm-hmm. and your children attain well because, you know, affluent um, environment, um, children just have it. They know how to learn. They're switched on. But if at year one, they're, you know, at a scale score of 100 and by the time they leave you in year six, they're still at a scale score of 100. That progress measure has just mm-hmm. remained constant. There's no up. And the expectation would be, as a child is progressing in years three, four, five, and six, the progress needs to to improve as well for each child. So that's something else that is really important to look at. Mm -hmm. And when myself and Mrs. Warren were were talking about this, and Mrs. Warren is an an advocate for all things reception Mm -hmm. anyway, the key thing that we both agreed was, if you're looking for a new school, visit the school during school time. And I know we're all really, really busy, but even if it's a morning appointment or an afternoon appointment, or if the schools are doing open days, go and visit. But do it when the school is alive. Okay. Okay. That's very important. Yeah. Would you like to take that forward, Mrs. Yeah. Well? So what to look for when you go into the classroom? Um, you will be looking for children that are calm, they're settled, they look happy. You might even see them singing to themselves because they're showing really high levels of well-being. When they're in that state of well-being, you will see them really concentrating and being um, on in the, the activity that they're engaged in. And when they're really involved in that type of activity, that's when they're doing their deepest level of learning mm-hmm. in the early years. So when you go into that classroom, you'll be looking at how the um, teachers are supporting those children. Um, how are they interacting with those children because that's going to be the interactions that you get with your uh, your child will be getting when they enter that classroom so it's important to go and have a look at a few schools in that you've chosen when you've had your look online and decided on the schools um, um, and um, then ask that, that teacher about how do they communicate with parents what opportunities do you have as a parent to empower you in your Um, child's journey there's been a lot of research um, on effective provision and it shows that parents are their children's first educators and you know your child's strengths and your um, child's needs and so you need a teacher you need a school and a teaching staff that's really going to support your child's journey your individual and unique child as they go into that classroom um, yeah, I think when you go round to the school, it's very important to look at the facilities. So what's yeah. there that's going to stimulate my child mm-hmm. as they grow through the school, as they grow at each stage? You also want to observe the conduct of the children, mm-hmm. um, not just the children in, in the reception class, but around the school in terms of their behaviour and attitudes. Because what you want to see is, are, are the children engaged? Mm-hmm. Are the children motivated? Are they deeply involved in their activities? And Mrs. Worrell said before, it's really about the quality conversations that the adults yeah. have with the children mm-hmm. in full sentences. Okay. Yes. In okay. full sentences. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about, you know, wild vocabulary, but mm-hmm. we're talking about um, conversations that extend speech and language conversations that support the development of vocabulary those are really really important um also about the different activities whether or not those are activities that provide a level of risk taking 
such okay. that children become more challenged mm-hmm. and they are building strategies for managing when they're being taken out of their comfort zone of learning those are very very important and I don't mean risk as in you know going down no you know yeah. going down it's like it's, it's not that kind of risk no, it's having that can do attitude so that you can um your child can develop strategies later on for their critical and creative thinking mm. um yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah from that point of view and it's mm. also um a school where the staff support children and I think will support children in um effectively regulating emotions as well so as our children are developing the physical the social it's about okay what strategies are the school using or staff using within that setting to help children regulate when they're not happy about something you know when they're having a fallout with their friends and although it sounds simple those kind of things are so important in supporting the health and well-being of children Mm -hmm. And see, this is all so interesting because honestly, um, a lot of the time when you as a new parent are going into the school's process, you concentrate so much on that first reception class. So what are they doing when they get into school? What's happening there? But as you've rightly put and brought attention to, it's the whole school journey. You spoke about mm-hmm. when you're looking at um, it, looking at their progress throughout the entire school, look at what the data is showing for that. And also um, I had it so where I live it's a new build area and a lot of us that moved in had no children when we moved here six years ago since then we've all started having kids and so um there's a group of us that had children in 2019 my child was after September but there was about four of them that were before September mm-hmm. and so they've all started going to school now and um, this is their first term in school and so many of them said you know when I said oh what was that school like or you know do the tour a lot of them only looked at reception or was like I didn't really know what questions to ask or anything mm-hmm. um but it's just so important to see this, the wider aspect of it. That's something that I hadn't really considered. Um, and I know this episode already, there's going to be people who are pausing it, rewinding it, listening back and taking notes, because this is just important to know what to ask when you go to it. Emotional mm-hmm. regulation and um, how they help with that is the way in which they speak to the children. These are all questions that you often don't really consider at first um my question was just you know um just going back a bit you know to the data in terms of, like the gld score and progression where can you find that data is it do you need to ask the school for it is it online yeah, like offset by, by rights the gld should be online so all data should be online okay so most of the data now um you'll you should still have your 2022 data online because the 2023 should be um validated within the next month or so so you'll see okay how the school has performed in 2023. Most of that data should be there already for you. And again, you will see the national. So you'll see the national against the school's performance. And at Mm -hmm. sometimes as well, you will find the local performance. But I must add though, I mean, going to your local um, borough council, they do have, I know ours do anyway, have a plethora of information for parents to go through as well with a range of schools. So that is also a very good place to start when looking Mm -hmm. at which school you want to go to. Um, and I suppose it, it makes me think of, of something else, Amanda, um, in terms of when to start children, when to start your child at school, because you just mentioned mm-hmm. that one won't start until next year because her, I'm assuming her birthday didn't fall before September. Yes, she's a December baby. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. And you see, the, and I think, I suppose what I want to say to parents, and of course it is parents' responsibility, it's their choice, all of that. My daughter has a birthday on the 31st of August. Mm-hmm. So she was 
dead in the middle. So yeah. he had the choice whether or not to start her later or to start mm -hmm. her when we did. And um, a lot of parents feel quite anxious thinking that their child is a summer born, summer born, therefore they're not ready, they're not ready. Trust your child mm -hmm. is what I want to say, don't we, Mrs. Yeah. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I would argue trust your child. And I think with, you know, there are times as parents, we are really anxious and we think, well, they can't, they can't function without us because they've only known us. We're just really important. Yeah. <laughs> the moment they go through those doors, oh my goodness, you know, the confidence. Of course, there is yeah. a level of anxiety, but those children are just so confident, so excited. And I know when mine started and she was the youngest or remains the youngest in the school, it was, yeah, I love you, mommy, bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Off she goes. And I think sometimes as parents, we limit yes. our children and they have so much more resilience than what we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yes, there are some children who are still very clingy and we understand that. And as a school, we have systems in place. But once again, this is about going into the school and seeing how they do it. We have mm -hmm. tissues and tears that our PTA put on to support parents. And that kind of structure is yeah. in place. The children are absolutely fine. You see them waving, you know, when I pop along to mm -hmm. our reception, you know, they'll come and tell you all their little stories and all the little tales and just want to show you what they are learning. So yeah. although you as a parent, you're feeling anxious, it's fine. When you've mm -hmm. chosen the right school, the adults in that school will just embrace your children and your children will just flourish yeah. And, you know, there is not necessarily that that level of, you know, fear that we have as parents. And Amanda, this all starts before your child starts in their um, reception class. And mm -hmm. um, so when you have a, a really good school, um, they'll offer you, you um, play dates to come mm -hmm. in with your children before they start their early years education. Um, we'll uh, we have open evenings so parents can come in and they can find out what their children will be learning. Mm. Um, we have uh, built really strong relationships with um, parents by doing home visits. We mm. really find out the strengths and needs of those children of our children before they come into the classroom on their first day. Mm. So they've mm. really built a relationship with us mm. where they feel safe and secure and ready to learn and self regulated learners throughout yeah. the school and it's all about those positive relationships yeah. so you know so as parents you know ask those kind of questions mm -hmm. are you doing home visits and the home visits aren't to to peer and look in your homes it's it's not that it's literally to see your child and how your child interacts within their own setting so those are really important and asking questions okay when are when are you having a a reception open morning reception mm -hmm. day um for us to come along and for you to talk to us in terms of what to expect ask those kind of questions a school that is closed to you i would argue is not obviously is not an open school and yeah. you want as parents openness even talking about the home visits so my goddaughter was born on the 27th of august mm -hmm. and so she was one of the youngest in the class and i remember my my friend her mom was like I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's time to send her to school and maybe I'll keep her back another year. I just don't think she's ready. But if you meet this child, she's probably the most independent <laughs> little girl I've ever met. So she decided to send her. But they were doing home visits and you know, it was that worry of, oh, what are they, what are the home visits, what are the purpose for them? Are they to scrutinize us or to check what we're doing at home or anything? But 
understanding that from from the other point of view what the home visit's there for is to actually aid our child so that's really helpful to know this, um, so when we go on a home visit we'll take um, colouring or a book to read with the children um, we talk about any worries or concerns that the child may have um, shared with their family or any worries and concerns that the parents have it's really um, when you when you go in you're a friendly face and then that child knows you're a friendly you've been into their home you can refer back to them yeah. um, at any time and um it's really empowering parents in the process of um, starting their child's starting school. It gives them a safe environment mm -hmm. where they can uh, talk about their expectations and the school's expectations and how they marry together. So really, um, yeah. that visit is all about empowering not just the child, but mm -hmm. actually the parent as well. It's the start of their learning, their learning and their journey into education. Yeah, that's and so it's actually a really positive thing. And um, also like right now, so my daughter, she goes to nursery. She's there four days a week um, and we've kind of changed over to similar to school hours. So like she's there from eight to about four. Mm -hmm. And it's a my fear and it's actually being really helped by this conversation is that at nursery now, it feels very much like this little home environment and mm -hmm. Like, I know that she gets cuddles whenever she needs to. And it's just, I don't know, it feels like an extension of the home. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the thought of like going to school and if she's feeling a bit overwhelmed, like what's going to happen then? Or, you know, she's, like, she's brought up such bonds with her, with the staff there. She's been there for like, you know, um, from mm -hmm. when she was quite small, that it's, it is nerve wracking to give that responsibility to over someone else. Um, and for so much of the day as well, it was mm -hmm. only, it was only when she turned three. So only from this September that she did four days a week before that, mm -hmm. she was only going two days a week. Mm -hmm. And so that letting go as a parent, but it's to give our child that challenge and give them the opportunity. It's just what you've been saying, but it feels, um, it feels mm -hmm. like a lot. <laughs> And children are really resilient. And when they've built up a lovely attachment in their nursery, it's really easy for those children to then develop those attachments um, to other adults. Um, a good school will actually go into the nursery school. We've got an on-site um, preschool and we will go and do visits within the preschool, read to the children there and play with the children in the setting. If we have children come from other nursery settings, um, we'll um, go and see those children. We'll do a visit within that setting so that they can see that we've met with their key people there. Um, so it is about building those really strong attachments with the children. So when they come in, they might be a bit upset, but you can talk to them and say, I know you're cross. I know you're angry. You've been left here all day, but this mm -hmm. is the way we're going to work together and mm -hmm. work this through. <clears throat> and those children are, are resilient and they're mm -hmm. able, as long as you mm -hmm. have those conversations with the children um, and um, also let them know that they've been kept in mind oh do you remember when I came on your home visit mm -hmm. we played with and their favorite toy um it really helps children settle into that new mm -hmm. environment so mm -hmm. that's possibly a question as well that your parents could be asking um whether or not do you know whether or not the uh key workers within reception will be going along to the nursery to yeah. the nursery staff um what kind of transition program mm -hmm. is based so those are the key questions that could be asked as well. Brilliant. Because I didn't even know that was an option. Like, that's incredible. And um, a question that I have, it might be a bit random, but you know, when it comes to choosing a school in terms of like the size of the class, 
So I fear that I have at nursery right now, there's quite a good, there's quite a big like staff to child ratio. Um, even, and a lot of the time, sometimes it seems like there's even more staff than the ratios are needed to be. And mm. um, it's just, what what is something, what ratios would you say is acceptable for your child to thrive? Like, I, I don't know, to me hearing about, you know, 30 children and one teacher, just sounds like how on earth do you deal with that like 34 yeah, year olds you, you don't you don't have that in reception so okay. there are there are ratios that you have to meet mm-hmm. within the reception setting okay um was it one to eight i think yeah yeah it's one, one it's one to eight so you okay. have um i think sometimes however as, as your child progresses in the early stages yes that's fine mm-hmm. And they're there because they're still very, very dependent. What you want to see, though, as your child comes to the end of reception is more of the independence as well as the interdependence on staff. So you will find that although, yes, there is still a, a, what for a better word, key worker who who will oversee and work with your child, Mm -hmm. it comes to a point where your child needs them less and less and less. Mm -hmm. And that, for any good reception practice, is where you want the child to be. Mm-hmm. There has to be that level of independence. And the environment is your third teacher. So if you, when you go in to look at a, a reception class, um, you really um, need to ask the uh, teacher in there how that they've um, set out their environment. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for key areas of learning and little workshop type areas. So for example, in our um, classroom, we'll have a big construction area a maths, uh, a little maths area with all loose parts, um, so children can use their creativity. We'll have water and sand, a book area, a home corner, which is really lovely and homely, and um, with um, sofas. So it's really like a home from home. Mm. So children will be engaged in their independent play and learning. Oh, lots of uh, writing areas for them to write. There'll be lots of. Um, provision for them to write in so you'll see little pockets of children that will be learning and talking and getting their social interactions but then you'll see the teacher actually working with little groups of children as well and whilst that's happening those children are learning to be independent um, Mm -hmm. learners um, within that classroom so by the time they come into year one they can um, go off to their ratios of one to 30 after yeah. having learned to work independently mm-hmm. within the environment there should also be a really nice outdoor area um, that supports children's learnings children you'll see children trying um free-flowing from the indoors to the outdoors mm-hmm. choosing their mm-hmm. snack so they're really becoming those independent mm-hmm. learners Mm. Um, yeah and that's important having a good outdoors area as well Mm -hmm. outdoors areas that reflects the good indoor area as well Mm -hmm. um mrs wall said that free flow is 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 very important yes there will be times where the children are are together if they're doing some phonics activity however Mm -hmm. there needs to be that choice that the children make i'm playing outside today it's not playing well it's playing but i mean i'm outside today um, you know child initiated and I'm going to be doing that well actually I want to come inside now to do a bit of construction work I'm going to do a bit of writing a bit of mark making so there are those and the activities that Mrs Wells spoke about with with an adult leading them you know those are really important as well so you want to know that within your reception setting so any school you go to visit that there are meaningful and purposeful activities that are set out for the children that enhance and develop the learning you don't just want to be seeing a free for all where children are just, 
disorganized and yeah. there's one more reason you want to know it's purposeful so as you go around you're asking questions such as oh okay so what's the child initiated focus on that particular activity okay. or what's the adult doing here in terms of the learning what are they trying to pull out for the children is that right Mrs. Yeah. children yeah. learn um, their best when they're in child initiated learning they get deeply involved in their own interests and there are strong guidelines out there as how much time should be guided by an adult and how much time should be child initiated learning okay when you go into the classroom look at those little pockets of children mm. that are really learning um from their child initiated interests mm -hmm. and also those areas that they're being guided by um the adults okay brilliant um and so okay so there's a lot of information there and but now from that, we've looked at the data, we've mm. seen what the progression's like, we've seen the offset report, we've looked at the GLD, mm. we've gone into the school and gotten a feel for it well, the kids are there, we've asked the questions about how they emotionally regulate and how they do the transition and everything. And now we've picked our school, we're happy with it, we've gone through the whole process, the choices, and they've gotten into school. Mm. What on earth, so this is a transition, not just for children, but for mm. parents as well. Maybe they haven't even been in nursery before they've been at home, but what can we do um, to really support this now that they're in school, they're in reception? Um, what should we be doing as parents to make sure that our child is thriving in primary school? Mm -hmm. um, how do we work with the schools? Okay. I think the, the other thing then leading to that question mm -hmm. would be, as you're going around, you need to ask the question about the parental engagement of the school. Okay. Okay. You want to know that they cannot stop talking about the involvement of parents in the school. How you help your child best is by truly understanding that your role now as parent is about partnership. It's mm -hmm. a partnership between you and the school. If you are happy with the school and you know your child is happy, contented, um, feels safe in the school, and the level of learning is what you would expect, then you as a parent have to provide that level of positivity for your child. The moment your child feels that you don't like the teacher, you don't like mm. the teacher, you don't like the school, it messes up the whole, whole um, balance. Mm -hmm. however you are feeling as the adult you have to manage that as the adult if your child is happy if your child feels safe if your child is learning those three elements that's what you hold on to yeah. you have to as a parent manage character clashes yeah you have okay. to do that mm -hmm. because what we're talking about here is a true partnership it is about um you as a parent being supportive of what's going on you as a parent knowing the curriculum so know what your child is learning know what the focus is and you will have all of that information usually online the schools will then also send them out because the government have stated that it's an expectation that parents are aware of the curriculum what's what's being taught you need to be visible you need to be able to attend workshops where you can we understand our parents are working parents that's why we may have things during the school day or at night yeah. it's about your commitment to that you understanding actually I need to be visible I need to understand what's being taught and in and in understanding what's being taught I understand what the learning is and how my child is learning and that's the key thing mm -hmm. you know when I went to school for example um we teach subtraction for example completely differently to how I learned it yeah school. 
So it's about you having that awareness and the schools will support that for you. It's like phonics, phonics. There are so many different programs, know the phonics program. So if it's um, Read, Write, Inc. and knowing who your special friends are, R, Start the Car, R, and you're practicing that with your child, that is how you support simple things like reading with and reading to your child, allowing your child then to read to you. The words may not be correct and they may simply be telling you the story in their own words. You allow that to happen. That's what you want, because what we're asking is for parents to be visible, parents to understand, parents to continue to talk and communicate with their child and the child's teacher. And I say again, it is about a partnership. Yeah. We cannot do it alone. And as a mm-hmm. as a school, we've always said that the, you know, the positive outcomes we achieve at school is because of the, the tight partnership that we have with our parents. Mm-hmm. It, attend the activities. You know what's going on in the learning. So, you know what, extend those activities at home. Try and find ways of linking those activities. And maybe something simple like, you know, we're looking at autumn and autumn leaves. We go for a walk in the park. It's great take mm-hmm. that right let's do some different leaves rubbings or yes yeah. you know simple really simple things like that such mm-hmm. that you're able to show the child how to link their learning yeah and to recognize that actually I'm at school but learning takes place wherever I am mm-hmm. and it's that concept um yes very much about being it is about being visible it's yeah. about being supportive it's about having those conversations as well if you go to a good school um your head teacher will be meeting you at the door they'll be talking to their children as they come in mm-hmm. and yourselves but if you go um uh when you drop your child off if you've got any worries just talk mm-hmm. to the teacher mm-hmm. um and they'll be able to offer you some support and make an arrangement or an appointment to see them later if you need to chat to them a bit longer if it's a bit more than oh my um child didn't sleep very well last night and mm-hmm. they need a little bit of sleep just mm-hmm. build be okay yeah mm-hmm. just open, yeah. keep those lines of communication open at all times mm-hmm. if you're worried you have to say something straight away i think sometimes um where relationships break down is where parents hold back and hold back and they think well that's only a little issue oh that's another oh it's another issue it's only little oh it's another issue but it's only little and then all of a sudden you know you've got the straw that breaks the camel's back and the parent comes in and they're just very you know irate and upset and we as a school don't understand well what's going on everything's going to be Mm -hmm. fine it's about having those conversations it doesn't matter how small doesn't matter at all and as Miss Worrell said you know reception that first term oh my days those children they are so exhausted yeah so tired (laughs) and you know we'll have a little one to spoil in the sleeping class or you know it's where the parents say well never so sorry you know still a bit tired and that's fine because then we understand why they're grumpy Mm -hmm. you know we have children who you know did you have your breakfast this morning no do you want anything to eat no and then their behavior is just you know off the charts all they need is a banana or you know some toast Mm -hmm. it's those little things it really really is our focus is very much yes around the teaching and learning of our children but it's also yeah. about the well-being mm-hmm. and that's the kind of school that you want a school where the well-being is just as important because we recognize that actually there are obstacles that children do experience in their learning and if we don't you know um, overcome those obstacles or support our families in managing those obstacles then there is no way our children are going to be able to learn the very best that they can mm-hmm. In those situations so it really is about being visible yeah. communicating yeah communicating um being supportive 
reading with your child basic simple yeah. thing okay. that's, that's the most that's important the most thing, important thing. Mm-hmm. most important yeah. you'll think well Depends. i already i would read i would read yeah that's great but even as your child becomes a better reader you don't stop there don't no, stop okay. you continue yeah, continue sharing. continue continue right through that that primary journey yeah. really yeah. developing that love of reading that gives them that access to the whole wide curriculum yeah yeah mm-hmm. research has shown us that it is that yeah. you know um and what you don't want is for them you know to reach secondary school at 12 and 13 and then become disengaged with with reading yeah and unfortunately research shows that that does happen you don't want that so I know very much in in our school our priority is you know developing a reading for pleasure culture and our children are very happy to read here and love reading and that's what you want as well so even when you're walking around school asking them what's your priorities as a school Mm -hmm. what are your priorities then what's the focus you want to know what their values are what's their vision what is it that they stand for Mm -hmm. and if that's what they stand for okay then can you show me then how yeah how do you make sure that your children feel safe that the learning is engaging and that you know the children feel challenged it's Mm -hmm. those kind of questions that you need to be asking and it's not about you know I don't want your parents to feel well you know oh gosh well you know that's that's a bit too much for me to be asking because my child's just starting remember if you've made your choice about a particular school all being well your child will stay there from reception right through to years yeah Mm -hmm. you want to know that that journey is consistent that your child is safe contented and the values that you may have of your own are also reflected in the choice of your school, be it private or be it maintained school. That's what you want for your child. So it's not just because a year is only a short period of time from September to yeah. June, and then they move into year one. And that's another transition. And yeah. then from year one to year two, that's another transition. And I think from year two, going into key stage two, that's an eye opener. So you're going to have these levels so it's a case of you have to feel secure that Mm -hmm. actually this is the right environment for these reasons these are the values that the school says and I can see are modeled yes this is going to be the journey for my child Mm -hmm. the displays when you walk into the school oh yeah displays really show what those uh what the school you've chosen values yeah um they'll be up on the walls and you'll see whether they 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 value reading whether they're and and picking up books whether they value writing um that will display the values that those school have Mm. and it'll be really prominent as you walk around the school as well as um how the school reflects in terms of its diversity so it's a case of can I see my can my will my child be able to see themselves in this school yeah. that is also very very important mm-hmm. will, will they get that real sense of belonging yeah. and it's not mm-hmm. just um that's through the books have a look at the books mm-hmm. and see if they're inclusive mm-hmm. and yeah, if your child would see themselves in the books that are read within the school absolutely yeah absolutely Brilliant. Honestly, I feel like I have um, from this conversation, like a guide <laughs> of what yeah. to do when, you know, when I actually go in there, what to actually look at, you know, just knowing and knowing like to look at the displays, knowing about the importance of reading, because I, I already really enjoy it. We read at least once a day. You know, if we're out all day, there's always at least something that we're reading at nighttime. But um, just understand the importance of it for and you're right. Reading is part of everything that you do afterwards to be able to unlock every subject. But understanding that curriculum as well and that's really helpful to know what activities you can do at home and I can imagine that would actually be quite 
useful because you know sometimes school holidays the weekends can be long and deciding what activities to do if you know that we're doing autumn leaves in school there you go suddenly I've got something to do it with my children at home so that's really helpful as well and mm-hmm. um, I think one of the biggest challenges and when what, what was really helpful that you shared is looking past the possible personality clashes between you and the teachers and actually just remind yourself those three areas you said are they happy safe and I can't remember the third one now and engaged if that is happening if if your child is happy safe and engaged can we support the teacher and not talk badly about things and not let those personality differences over like overshadow things that's really that's a really helpful point to make and so um I've taken so, so I'm ever so sorry, Amanda. And no, I think no, it's fine. one of one other thing as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's because parents um sometimes sometimes uh ugh, find this difficult to trust the teacher. It's their profession. Yes. And the same mm-hmm. way in which, you know, I'm not going to come in and tell you how to be a doctor mm-hmm. is you know, recognize and respect the fact that actually as a teacher, I've been doing this some time. So what yeah. I'm saying to you, it's it's fine. They will be able to, or look, I think we need to um, refer your child mm-hmm. because there are concerns that I may have. We're not going to do that in isolation. We will do that mm-hmm. talking to you. But remember, we are, you, the teachers are the professionals as well. And yeah. I think that needs to be remembered because parents, because we're dealing with the most precious gift, which yeah. is the child, parents do, you know, get very rightly so emotional emotional Mm -hmm. well you know you said he was all right but he's not now however you know as we've Mm -hmm. had the conversations before there seems to be a bit of a worry about x y and z you know please as as parents respect the fact that actually teachers know what they're doing Mm -hmm. if they don't as parents of course you will bring it up with the head teacher yeah but trust the parent let's trust Mm -hmm. the teachers in this process as well yeah and that's such a good point and I think if you have done your due diligence in choosing a school that you're comfortable with and you know that they're doing all these things to make sure that your child is thriving then you've got to at some point you know give that trust and trust to the teachers and their expertise and both of you shared the amount of knowledge that you have and it's just the same as in medicine um as a doctor I am the expert I guess in the conditions and what the research shows and I have a lot of experience from other you know all the different Mm -hmm. patients things I've seen over the years but I may not be a complete expert in your individual case so what your triggers are for your IBS you are the one that have to tell me that and so that's where like the parents will come in we might be more of an expert on the child but actually that wider picture of like what their development will look like you've got so many different examples that we don't have access to and so if you pick if you do your due diligence to pick the school and the teaching staff that you're comfortable with and your child is safe and they're happy and they're engaging then take on that advice mm-hmm. um that's a really good point to make we've got to we've got to trust it and that's the thing it takes such it that saying age old saying about it takes a village to raise a child yeah if, if there's if the school is there um take take the advice and take the support that's being offered definitely and the teacher would never um uh, if they found that your child had a need, they wouldn't be doing that in isolation. No. They would have, um, they would be having those conversations with you as parents, yeah. with mm-hmm. the Senko, yeah. with the wider community of the school. Yeah. We'd, we have external people that come in. So yeah. it's the teacher making those decisions. We're actually taking a lot of advice yes. um, from our 
um a wider range of mm -hmm. specialists to help yeah. just as you would as a doctor and mm. yeah brilliant mm -hmm. honestly thank you both so much um like I said this does feel like a guide and the whole point of this episode is to try and just take away some of the stress because a lot of it is from the unknown yes. Um, even like just little things that you said the the stress that came when my with my friend when she heard about there was going to be a home visit and what does that mean yeah. now knowing what that means mm -hmm. has just taken away some of that unknown aspects of it and that stress that can be there so yeah thank you so much and I will keep you posted on my school picking journey I've got two, <laughs> I've got that. two um two open days actually coming up um yeah. yeah one at the end of this month and one next month after half term mm -hmm. and so I know what I'm looking for when I go in I'm going to start getting out the data and just yeah, yeah, yeah taking yeah. it from there we're a lovely school in Bedford. If any of your yes. any of your friends wish to <laughs> yes. pop along to our wonderful school, brilliant, welcome. welcome. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> and in the description box below, I will leave all the details there of where you're working and um, a bit more information about the two of you. But thank you so much for joining oh, me today. Thank, thank you so, you much, so Amanda. much, Amanda. Thank okay. you. We wish you all the best. All right. Thank you. And your thank you. And friends. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. So thank you so much for watching along with everyone episode I really hope that you found it as useful as I did and um, make sure that you take notes and I know that if you're like me you're going to be going back to that episode and re-watching it and replaying certain bits and um, I've actually just finished doing all my school tours and I'm on to making the school selection now if you're doing that this year it's um 2023 going into 2024 the closing date for school selections are um, is the 15th of January 2024. So hopefully this video has come at the right time for you to make that final selection. Um, but yeah, gosh, when I was looking around the schools, um, I was often the one asking so many questions because I'd learned so much from this podcast. Um, so yeah, I really hope that you enjoy it. Please leave a comment down below if you're watching on YouTube and tell me what other subjects you'd like to hear and tell me also about your journey of educating your child and how you found the choice if you have already made it and if you are making it now or about to, um, things that you are thinking about, what are the factors you're taking into it. Um, also, please don't forget to share this podcast with anyone that would find it useful. Subscribe to the channel. If you are listening on Spotify or Apple, please rate and review. Um, rating and reviewing really helps this podcast to be seen. And I think we're having some really important conversation that lots of people need to hear. So, guys, until next time. Bye.